I'm at Duff's Wings in Buffalo, New York. This actually has nothing to do with the story, but I wanted to mention that the wings are delicious. I'm in Buffalo to meet with Brian Nowak, who started Buffalo for Bernie, the local Bernie Sanders campaign. He just went to the DNC as a Sanders delegate, and he's now managing a local campaign for district attorney. From NBC News, this is The Trail Tapes. I'm Jake Heller. Yeah, let's go. We caught up with Brian just before the DNC and figured we'd start with the most basic question. Why Bernie Sanders? You're an avid Bernie supporter. You're going to the convention as a Bernie delegate. Why do you like the guy? Uh, He's somebody that has been consistent with his message for 30 years. He's relatively honest compared to other people that run for office. And he hasn't, uh, I guess he hasn't been co-opted. It's the best way to say it. And it seems like a lot of people, when they get into public life, they lose sense of what got them started. Now, before you start thinking that Brian is some crazy Bernie bro, he's not. In fact, in a lot of ways, he's emblematic of the typical Sanders voter. He's young, white, college educated, and he's new to politics. And like a lot of voters Bernie pulled off the sidelines, Brian got involved because... Sitting home and doing nothing wasn't working anymore. I tried cynicism. It was unsuccessful. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um... And so, you know, and recovering cynic, I don't mind, uh, without apology, you know. Please tell me there are recovering cynic meetings. No, oh. it's a, this is a one-person club. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also different from a lot of Sanders supporters. He's from a working-class family, he grew up in Buffalo's poorest neighborhood, and before the Sanders campaign? Well, before the Sanders campaign, I was, uh, I was running a convenience store in the neighborhood, um, you know, I've got a bachelor's degree in history and uh, education, and you know, I just went right from college into into working. You know, at the Seven Eleven. At the Seven Eleven, yeah, and you know, was able to move up there quickly, and the pay was better than a starting teacher. You know, which I mean, that should really be an indictment of education in this country that you make more selling Slurpees and hot dogs than you do teaching kids. You know. Um, just a matter of a few thousand dollars. Starting teachers may get mid-30s here, you know, closer to 40 to run a convenience store. So nothing major, but it's the fact that it's more really talk, it speaks to how we don't value our teachers. And you were telling me you still work shift at 7-Eleven. Uh, yeah, just once a week. Um, for your health insurance? Yeah, pretty much to maintain health care. Um, but just work Sunday nights there. and Take me back to that moment. You're managing the 7-Eleven near you, or you were working at the 7-Eleven. Yeah. And Bernie Sanders declares his candidacy for president, and mm-hmm. suddenly you throw your Slurpee down and say, I quit, I'm going to go work for this guy? Or what? Quite How does literally. That work? I had two of them. I just double-fisted them <laughs> right on the ground. Um, no, I was following him since Sanders since he was elected to the U.S. Senate. So... Uh, so you're a politics wonk? Nah, wonk might be a step too far. Nerd. Uh, yeah, maybe. In- yeah. You're interested in politics. Most certainly. Um, I watch C-SPAN and not to fall asleep, you know? <laughs> but I, you know, I was aware of Sanders and what he was doing in Vermont and how he got elected to the U.S. Senate. You know, when you win 70% of the vote and you're calling yourself a democratic socialist, that's a big deal, you know? Uh, the, the 
policy positions that he was advocating for the last 30, 40 years. It's, those are the things that I see as the solutions to the problems in this country, that we keep gutting the public sector and we keep putting forward policies that don't share wealth with working people. It doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal, left or right, Democrat, Republican. You can't have a market system that keeps creating new wealth and gives all of it to 1% of the population. At some point, people like me don't earn enough money to buy back everything that gets produced. It's a very straightforward, simple issue. If you pay working people like crap, how can they buy back what gets produced? People like me. And you need to have something with profit sharing in companies where the minimum wage is a living wage, um, where you have a social safety net that's robust making sure everyone gets health insurance, universal daycare is a great idea, tuition-free public colleges, and this is stuff Sanders has been championing for a long time. Um, so as soon as he announced, I pretty much said I know what I'm doing for the next year and a half. And you alluded to this, but mm. this isn't just hypothetical or intellectual for you. This mm. comes from your real life and your real experience. Yeah, it's, this is very real stuff. Um, a lot of people in this country grow up and the experience they have isn't, ideal let's say they don't have they don't have positive experiences you know they they grow up in neighborhoods that are relatively run down uh the schools aren't great uh they don't have a supportive family at home um they're food insecure paying the bills is hard people at home don't have jobs and this is a big chunk of the country and you watch cable news or you know popular media and it's the idea of how rampant poverty is in this country, relative poverty, not absolute poverty like people that are getting a dollar a day in America. Relative poverty in this country has been growing and getting worse for about 40 years now. Um, that it's harder to get a college education, it's harder to get a job, it's harder to save for retirement. I think my getting involved in this is something that a lot of people can do. You don't need to be particularly skilled to just get a group of people and say, hey, this sucks for us, you know, let's do something about it. Brian has lived a lot of his life as an outsider. And when that poor neighborhood you grew up in is predominantly black and you're white, that outsider status takes on new layers. I think the biggest thing I got out of that was um, that the world's bigger than me, you know, and that there's other ways to look at things that there's different ways to solve problems. Um, and uh, being self-centered uh, doesn't make sense as a, as a survival strategy, you know? Um, it's working out so, for Donald Trump. What's that? You said it's working out for Donald Trump. Well, that's because he's part of the dominant race. <laughs> um, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, I mean, I don't really have much more to say, but beyond that, I think it just uh, it gave me a perspective that a lot of people don't have that um, you got to look out for other people. You know, some people get that through going to church or they get it ingrained through, you know, a sense of community in their neighborhoods. I just got it from, you know, recognizing that what it's like to be uh, in a minority group in my own sense, not that I know what it's like to be a person of color because I don't. I just know what it's like to be a minority in certain situations, you know? And I got that through experience and not through reading a book or, 
you know, thinking about it. it. Just it's ingrained, and there's not words that I can put to that. I just get it. That's all I can say. Yeah. Which is another reason Brian volunteered for the Sanders campaign. He wants to see more outsiders in politics. There's too many people that get political power in this country that they grew up in families where both parents were home. Everybody that was an adult was able to find a job. Transportation was never a challenge. And they make the rules for people that their experience is completely different. Oh, and another thing Brian liked about Bernie Sanders, Brian's also a democratic socialist. You know, like Sanders was asked, are you a capitalist? And he said, no. I'm not a capitalist, right. you know. Uh, do I do be do I behave like people in a capitalist society would behave? Absolutely, but um, we bought tacos today. Man, good stuff. You know? <laughs> uh, but I would say I'm a democratic socialist. That uh, there should be a bare minimum for everybody. You know, something like a guarantee minimum income. There's enough wealth in this country to provide a bare minimum for every person that's here. The problem is, is we throw it into um, a failed foreign policy, a mistaken foreign policy, stupid foreign policy endeavors. We throw money at the F-35 jet program. If we stop that one jet program, everybody can go to college for 23 years for free. You know, that's one program that's not necessary, you know, in my view. Um, So... In the sense that I say, yes, I'm a socialist, it's making sure everybody has access to health insurance and living wages um, and something like college is tuition free. You know, that's not Soviet socialism. It's not necessarily state socialism. It's something that's democratic. And post Bernie, more people are now buying into democratic socialism. The Democratic Socialists of America, or DSA, reports that 200 people per month are joining their group. That's four times the number from a year ago. It isn't explicitly about we want to turn every single person into socialist. It's more about democracy. We want to have democracy not just in the political sphere, one person, one vote, but it's democracy in the economy that, you know, everybody gets a certain number of dollars or a certain minimum baseline to to meet their basic needs because... Right, I think you everybody gets a yeah. certain number of dollars might yeah. freak a few people out. But no, it, it really, but the idea of democracy in the economy um, is, is, is one of the big things that people that call themselves socialist or democratic socialist champion. It gets more wealth in the hands of regular people and working people right. that, you know, it isn't about everybody's going to work for eight, nine, ten dollars an hour for somebody that owns a Fortune 500 company and if you stop working for five seconds, you're screwed. I mean, you can't have you can't have a free and honest functioning democracy when you have so many people in poverty. You need to have something in a program and an approach to governing that does its best to eradicate poverty. That way, everyone can really participate in the democracy. And as Brian says, DSA's mission is tied to the future goals of the Sanders revolution. It's not about building a third party necessarily, but focusing on local races, staying involved, and fighting for the issues that matter to them. So what happens to Sanders supporters from here? What happens most of the time is a chunk of them are going to be upset. They're going to get apathetic. They're going to go home because they they did what they thought they could do to make meaningful change, and it didn't work, and they say, oh, we forget it. 
you know. Um, but the, you're going to have some people that the elected delegates, some of the key grassroots organizers, people that have been around for a long time that have come into the Democratic Party that are, let's say, more left-leaning, more progressive, they're still going to be on the scene and they're going to be organizing on the state and local level. Now, at this point, it's about getting people elected to school, the school boards, city councils, getting mayors elected, uh, and building political power from the bottom up and not worrying about capturing the presidency or, you know, a U.S. Senate seat here or a House seat here. You know, it's about working bottom up and getting a new generation of leaders who have a fundamentally different view of how to organize political power and how to do the right thing by working people. That's the show. Thank you again for listening. We are going to keep producing these all the way through the election, so really appreciate you sticking with us. This episode was produced by myself and Rebecca Davis. I edited the episode. As always, our intro music is by Shad and DJ Tilo, and our closing music is by Hey Rosetta and Yukon Blonde. I'm still Jay Keller. Thanks for listening. Lost.